family movie because you never know what, what you're going to be seeing on any, even in cartoons. But um, I'm going to take a risk and try to recommend uh, a movie that um, I, I guess it's not a perfect movie, but it, I think it's one of our favorite family movies, at least in my household. And that movie, it's called um, Evan Almighty. I don't know if you heard of it. Um, how many of you have seen the movie? Okay, so I don't have to um, talk about it. I don't, know about, I don't know about Bruce Almighty, but Evan Almighty, I like him a lot. Um, so it goes by a theme that says God has a grand design, and guess who has to build it? So um, I don't want to spoil the movie for you if you haven't seen it, but it talks about a uh, Evan Baxter. He used to be a um, weatherman in a local um, news channel. I believe it was in New York, upstate New York. And then he ran for Congress, and he got elected. So he now is moving to Washington, D.C. to change the world. And while he's there, he's actually interrupted by God, who's played by Morgan Freeman. Um, and apparently the plans that he had to change the world, it's a little derailed. Because God happens to tell him that there is an, um, you know, there's a, a flood that is coming. So he needs to build an ark, right? So here we, ha- we, here we have a movie, uh, as funny as it is, I, again, I'm recommending you to see it, uh, especially with children who know the Noah's Ark story. Uh, But we have, in this tiny movie, kind of a big dilemma that I think we need to bear in mind when we interpret today's passage. And that dilemma, it's technically about the human and divine relationships, right? Here we have Evan Baxter, who's thinking about changing the world, but he still is a finite creature, right? And he's trying to connect to a divine entity played by Morgan Freeman, who happens to be God in this movie, and happens to be omniscient. He happens to know the future, right? And it's in that kind of struggle where both of them have to find, what do I do now? So I thought I moved to Washington, D.C. to change the world, but now God is telling me he has another plans for my life because he happens to know the future, a future that I do not know. But if we see the human connection, sometimes we humans tend to use our present as our reality. If I can touch it, this is real because I can touch it and I can sense it right now. I see you right here. Happy birthday, Garrett. Um, This is a real day, right? Because I'm living in the present, right? And it is from my current circumstances that I'm trying to craft a vision of the future. However, in this movie, we see an omniscient God who treats the future as an impending reality. And it is from that future that he's telling someone who is 
in a temporal world, in the now, in the present, you need to change your actions now because there's something very real in the future that it's coming. It's kind of a philosophical, in just one tiny movie, you get a philosophical debate in terms of what's reality. And apparently for God, the future is a reality. It might not be for us, but for him, might be the reality that he calls us into acting right now in the present. So hold that thought because you're going to need that, that human divine problem that we see in that movie. I think it's going to help us to understand the parable for today. Right? It's called the parable of the shrewd manager. And I think that's the sanitized version or the sanitized title for that parable. This guy is very dishonest. If you pay attention to what Garrett was reading, if this person was acting the way he was acting today, he would go to jail. He would go to jail for embezzlement and corruption. So, but, you know, we, we know the parable, parable as, a, as the shrewd manager, and we got to talk about that in a couple of seconds. But kind of the title in terms of what I want you to think about this complex narrative is the impending reality of the kingdom of God, who might be a future occurrence to us, but as a very real thing in the mind of God. And now, the parable takes place on, a, on an accusation. As you know, Jesus is a kind of a troublemaker by now. If, I don't know if you've been in a church, but Jesus is not a good boy in terms of the authorities of his time. He happens to be a very controversial person. And he has been accused of hanging out with the wrong crowd. In Luke chapter 15, which is the chapter before that, we learn that now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. That's what chapter 15 says. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law mutter, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And suddenly, Jesus comes with a rebuttal of that idea. A rebuttal that is at the heart of the kingdom he came to establish on earth. He comes up with three parables in chapter 15. Before the parable of the shrewd manager. I don't know if you heard of this parable, but one of them is the parable, parable of the lost sheep. Have you ever heard of that parable before? So there was a hundred sheep. And then he feels the need to look for the one who got lost. So he leaves 99 of them and go to, he goes out to look for the one he lost. Right? Then he comes with another parable and he says, you know, the parable of the lost coin. Perhaps not well known by all of us, but it's a parable where a lady had gold coins. She loses one and she keeps looking for that coin until she gets that coin. And she rejoices and shows it to, the, to her friends. Hey, this is the coin that I lost, and now I have found it. And finally, this one, you, if you've been in church, at least you have learned this one. It's the prodigal son. It's called, you know, uh, here I, I'm calling it the parable of the lost son. 
But the common denominator between these three, he's technically saying, you're accusing me of hanging out with the wrong crowd, but the kingdom that I came to establish requires me to look for the ones who are lost and the ones who are uh, rejected by this world. And it might feel bad to you, but I, that's, that's the agenda that, that I'm establishing and the type of kingdom that I want to build on this world. I came to seek that which is lost. I came to transform that which is broken. I came to give life to those who are dead in their sins. Now, buckle up. Because we got chapter 16. And apparently Jesus is flipping the script. Luke chapter 16 We call it the parable of the shrewd manager, but it should be called the parable of the dishonest manager. And while in the previous chapter I was looking at, you know, the the things that are lost, things that I want to find and want to restore in this parable, apparently it's not so much for the lost, but for those who think they are found This parable is not for the person right now who is watching ESPN, sitting comfortably in their home. This parable is perhaps for those who make the effort to come at 10 o'clock to church in a morning like today. This parable is for you and I. But the interesting thing about this parable is that the anti-hero happens to be the hero. So it's one of the most complex. If you read the literature out there, every single interpreter of the Bible has a peculiar understanding of what's going on here. And here we are trying to make sense of this in our church. So what's going on? In this parable, this person is sent packing. He's not a good manager. He's being... Uh, not taking care of the wealth of a rich man. So he's saying, technically, the rich man says, you can no longer be a manager in my household. You need to go. But before you go, give me an account, the final statement. Any accountants in the room? I'm not looking at you. Uh, But before this finalizes, I kick you out, you are fired. Give me the final account of what's been going on. Because I hear you being, you have been uh, squandering my wealth. And that's the key point to understand this. This person has not been fired yet. But that became the impending reality of that person. The firing, what's going to happen in the future, I still have to do some numbers here. But the reality of that person had not been materialized, but he's taking the situation as real. I am out. Not only I am out, I'm not strong enough to dig. And I am ashamed to beg. That impending reality of what's going on in the future is materializing right now. And you know what time is it, right? It's time to hustle. 
Do the hustle. I haven't been fired, but that's my reality. It will happen. This is not maybe he will fire. I am technically out of here. I still have one move to make. So let's go back to that office and start crunching those numbers. Because something has to happen now. I am not begging, sorry for you, and I am not digging, sorry, I'm not strong enough. Something needs to happen. So let's crunch those numbers, let's think, let's get out of, let's hustle. We got to find something here, because I don't want to do this. I don't want that to be my reality. But technically, I need to react to what I know it will happen. Victor! So he came up with an idea. Hey, um, he found out where the wealthiest clients for this rich man. And he said, hey, Victor, what's up? How you doing, bro? I know, you know, you know that I always thought about you. I'm, I'm doing this job, but you and I go way back. You know, I remember when you and I were in high school. And um, you, know, you, you owe my boss a couple of things. But please, please, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm not the type of person who does this, but I'm willing to do something just for you, my brother. Just for you. But you please keep it quiet. Keep it quiet because this is, this is my, my special way of saying I hear you. I know Jimmy is going to go to college now, and you're going to get hit by those bills that are coming up, right? So, Victor, you know, how much, how much do you owe my bus $14,000, 14. Victor, that's too much. But you know that you and I are friends, and I would do anything for you, my brother. I know you. I would do anything. Let's make it 8000 bucks. Don't tell anyone, though. I don't want to hear anyone telling me that I did this for you because this is just between you and I. We're going to make this 8000 bucks. Write that down. That's what you owe my boss now. You know that I love you, right? See you, Victor. Have a good day. James! How you doing, James? Um, James. We know, we go way back, right? <laughs> you and I are like brothers. You know, you, you and I play basketball every day. I know, you know that I have to work for this rich man. Uh, you know that you owe him some money. Uh, I haven't done this before, and... Um, you know, you my friend. I feel you, bro. I feel you. I feel you. How much is it? Seven thousand. You owe him seven thousand bucks, James. Just between you and I. I mean, I'm not that type of person here. I'm pretty good at what I do, but let's make it three thousand bucks. Three thousand. Forget. No, it's not seven. Write it down. It's three thousand bucks. You owe my boss three thousand bucks. And the moral of the story. The moral that I was waiting for, personally, I was hoping that Jesus would say, truly, truly, I tell you, cheats such as this one will find themselves in a place of much weeping and gashing of teeth. (laughs) I was expecting that Jesus would say, guys like this will end up in hell. 
Because this is not what you do. This is not morally correct. This ethically dubious. Unfortunately, for those of us who think got this thing of the gospel, we found a different answer, right? And that answer says the master, he's talking about the master who, who was about, who eventually fired this person, commanded the dishonest manager because he acted truly. What are you talking about, Jesus? Truly? Uh, he, well, maybe truly doesn't mean that in Greek. Maybe this translation got it wrong. <laughs> well, so the word is phronimos, and it actually means truly in English. <laughs> Astuto in Espanol. So, but, okay, so you choosing to see that aspect of this person who has a morally dubious character, uh, but the story doesn't end up there. He comes out to say, <laughs> for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind that are the people of light. And if you are paying attention to the story, you have no other cho choice but to say, what? <laughs> so you are pinning me down with people who act like that guy acts, and what, what, what is this supposed to mean? What do you mean? So that's perhaps when, um, oh, of course you haven't seen that one, sorry. <laughs> that's, that was my reaction, sorry. So um, let's, let's, let's make the obvious. If you act like this guy, you, you, you're going to end up in jail. And I'm going to do Bible studies with you. <laughs> I'll be there too, but you'll be in jail. So I don't think Jesus is telling you to do the hustle, right? And try to scam someone's fortune doing cutting your own deals under the table. I don't think that is the moral of the story. So we could take that out of the picture, right? And I think it's clear when he says, Jesus talking, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest, like this guy, with very, with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy with handling, handling world, worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So I don't think he's saying go out there and be like the shrewd manager. So what is it then? I think the children of light need to put something in perspective that actually happened with this person. The shrewd manager was able to seize the fact and the reality of the impending future that was coming his way. He knew he was getting fired. 
And based on that reality, he made the moves in his present time to try to adapt to that reality that had not happened yet, but it was real to him. It was in his future. He was actually going to be fired, but he did not wait for that moment to happen in the temporal scale of things. But he knew what was going to happen in the future, and he acted in the present. I'm going to cut deals with these folks, because I don't want that to be my future. Then we see Jesus, on the other hand, a person who came to this earth to establish a new kind of kingdom, a kingdom that is here and not yet. Right? It's in the, that cost and that bubble of reality right now, temporal, but reality in the future. Right? When we have given our lives to Christ, we have adopted a definite vision of the future. A future when God is coming back and restoring everything that is wrong with this world and making it making it new, a vision where it's kind of a Sunday word. It's a ushering an eschatological vision of the kingdom to come. Right? So, again, we see that there is something between this person who is unethically and totally immoral connected to some aspects, not everything, but some aspect of your life and my life and who we have believed. A God that came to seek the lost. A God, a God who came to restore the brokenness of this world. A God that is coming back and that is an impending reality of our lives. That's not a, that's not a if God comes back. When you decided to follow Christ, you also accept the future that he's bringing into this earth. And that future might look as a future to you, but that's an impending reality for you right now. And that is what we need to take into account. It's your present life. Reflecting the reality of the kingdom that is to come. We confess that we believe in you. We believe what, we've done, what you did for us in the past. You died, you resurrected. Do you believe in the restoration of this world? Do you believe that the Savior we have proclaimed will turn, the, will flip history around and the ones who were um, oppressed, the ones who are captives, the ones who are ignored, the ones who are totally obliviated from the places of power and wealth in this world will no longer be there because the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, will turn oppression pain, and even death will flip it around. 
Do you believe that's the impending reality of the kingdom that is to come? For if you do, your actions today needs to reflect that reality that is to come in the future. So suddenly, the shrewd manager might have something to tell the children of life. Because sometimes we use the now, this is my reality. What's going on right now? I am a teacher. I do this and I do that. Or I'm a nurse or I'm a doctor or I am an accountant. And that is your reality. For the children of light, I think Jesus is asking us, there's an impending reality of where this kingdom will lead this world. And now is the time to hustle. Now is the time to put our actions where our minds, the the professions and the kind of the abstract thinking that we have about that kingdom. Now is the time to make a kingdom that is to come a reality. And you are called to live in the here and know yet. So I guess the children of light could learn from this person and turn the direction of our lives based on the future that it's an impending reality in the mind of God. You're a collaborator of that kingdom. So now what? So let's take our finances, for example. Since the parable is talking about finances, how much of your own personal finances reflect the values of the kingdom that is to come into this world? Where economic disparities, where the oppression of poor people is coming into, to an end. Not because that's a specific political system, but that's because this is the agenda that Jesus decided to establish. When he says, I came to give sight to the blind. I came to claim that the captives, captives be free. I came to liberate the oppression on people who are now oppressed. So how much of your finances today reflect that reality? In other words, are you using your money, for, for instance, to reflect those values of the kingdom that is to come into this earth? No one likes to talk about money. Well, let's talk about something else. How much of your interpersonal relationships with your parents, with your friends, with your co-workers reflect the reality of a kingdom that says you will love your neighbor as yourself? Not only that, you will love your enemy. (laughs) And if somebody hits you on the face, you will turn and put the other cheek. How much of your interpersonal relationships right now reflect that kingdom, the impending reality of that kingdom that is coming. Whether you like it or not, it's coming. 
That's what we Christians confess. How much of that interpersonal relationship reflect that reality that might not be here yet, but is the impending reality of the kingdom of God in our lives? So take every single aspect of your life, your political identity, your sexuality. Take, for example, the environment. Take the culture, your health. How much of those aspects of your life respond to the impending reality of the kingdom that is to come onto this earth? That is the question that we need to take care in a Monday like today. Does my life reflect the kingdom that Jesus is coming to establish? Because then we'll find ourselves probably like Evan Baxter, knowing that the impending reality of God's kingdom, it's on its way. And guess who has been called to collaborate with that vision? Santa Claus? Guess who has been called to collaborate with that kingdom that is to come? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we uh, ask you to convict our hearts and allow us to reflect on the state of affairs of our lives to to understand whether or not our lives are in tune or in sync with the frequency of your spirit. That those things you've said that will happen, that those things that you said that you will establish on this earth, even avenging death, the oppression, the bad things and the broken things of this world, that you will turn around and you will make new Allow us to to reflect whether or not our lives in the present moment are reflecting that reality that is yet to come. Thank you, Lord, because you have not called us to be passive recipients of that kingdom, but you have called us to be co-collaborators of that vision that you came to establish. When you ate with the destitute, with the low lives, with the sinners, with the tax collectors, you were establishing, you were establishing the basis of the kingdom that you desire to see on this world and the kingdom that you will establish in this world in a time in the future. Allow us, Lord, to reflect and let your sweet the sweet presence of your Holy Spirit to mold our life. To mold our life in such a way in which we could reflect the impending reality of the kingdom you bring, you are bringing onto this earth. Help us, O oh Lord, because by ourselves we cannot accomplish such task. But it's in the power of your Holy Spirit 
that you can transform our lives, our minds, even our bodies to conform to the values and to the agenda you came to establish on this world. It's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that we praise you, we give you thanks, and we ask for strength. Amen.